Heavenly Father, God, one of my favorite things about you is that you take strangers and you make them family. God, you did that for me. You've done that for many of us here. God, and as you've brought us into your family, God, I pray that we would bring strangers into ours, into this family. God, the one where you're the father of it, the leader of it. God, I pray for myself. God, I ask that uh, my insecurity wouldn't get in the way of this. God, help me. I pray this in the name of Jesus. All right, guys. Well, we're in a series called Uncommon Community. Uh, you heard Shannon talk about it last week. We're going to be talking about it more today, believe it or not. Three-week three week series. But uh, I want to ask you guys, what is it that distinguishes us from the rest of the world? Like, what, what is it that makes this community uncommon? What's the one thing? What's the one thing? Yes. Love. Someone said it. I really do think. I think it's love. And here's what I want. I want to see love in this community. I really do want this community to be a place that's so loving that people would say, man, that's uncommon. Like, that's just not normal how much they, they love each other. And, and let me tell you what, guys. I'm really passionate about this because I've been a part of communities that have really blessed my life. I've, I'm, I'm really passionate because I've been a part of communities that have really changed, um, honestly, kind of like saved my life. God has really used community in my life. I'm extremely passionate about this. And so this is what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to look at an example in the New Testament of this in Acts 2. It was the first church, probably the best church ever. They loved each other like crazy. They loved each other like stinking crazy. You read the text, you'll see it tonight. But it wasn't always like that for them. It really wasn't. Um... Before they got there, they heard something. They heard something so precious that it changed them deeply. They heard a message of love, and it changed them into a people of love. They heard a message of love, and it changed them into a people of love. And I want to read that to you right now. What did they hear? Harley, can you put up uh, Acts 2, 38 through 39? Guys, let's read this. This is what they heard. The apostle Peter is teaching these people. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says this promise is for you. Not just you. He says the promise is for you and your children. And for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord will call. And here's why this probably just moved their heart to such a deep level. Like why did those words just change them so dramatically? And here's why. Because they were, they were great sinners. Like amazing sinners. Like these were the people, some commentators suspect that the people who heard this, they were at the very place where Jesus was crucified. They were, they were there. They nailed him to the cross. And then they hear this message. Come be forgiven. Come be forgiven by the very God who you put on the cross. And it changed them dramatically into a people of love. Listen to this. Harley, can you put up verse 42? This is what happened right after this. After they believed these words, it changed them deeply. And this is what happened. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Get this, it says, all the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, 
praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Now get this. They come to Jesus, they follow him, and it looks like love. They love each other. Clearly, you read that, and love is just jumping off the pages. It's screaming out at you. They love each other, right? Like, we can see that. Do you agree? You see that? Yes? Yes or no? We can read it again. Yes. Okay, great. But something else you see in this text is how, which is really interesting. You see how. You see, love for them, it moves past an emotion, and it moves into a place of, of devotion, it moves into a place of devotion. And, and this is my goal for this community. This is my goal for this community, for us tonight even specifically, that we would move in our community out of a place that says, love is just feelings I have for you, into a place that says, love is, love is more than that. I'm gonna devote myself to you. I'm gonna devote myself to you. So if you guys get nothing else from this, if this just goes over your head, or maybe I get real boring at some point, this is what I want you guys to go home with. Love moves past an emotion and into a devotion. Okay? Love moves past an emotion and into a devotion. Look at verse 42. We see this in four super clear ways. He starts the whole thing, Peter does, by saying this. He writes this. Actually, I think it's Luke, sorry. He says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, and the breaking of bread into prayer. So if you're paying attention, he said four things. Harley, could you put that list up for me? Here's the first thing, and this is an outline for us tonight. This is an outline. Here's the first thing we're going to talk about. They devoted themselves to the word of God, okay? The text is the apostles' teaching, but this is really it's what it means for us, okay? The word of God. Here's the second thing this community devoted themselves to. Fellowship. Fellowship. A very particular, loving, devoted fellowship. Here's the third thing they devoted themselves to, unity. The text says breaking bread, but when you look at it, we look at its context. He's saying they devoted themselves to unity, to being together. And here's the last thing they devoted themselves to, prayer. Prayer. And this is how they loved each other. They devoted themselves to these four things, the word of God, fellowship, unity, and prayer. All right? So let's talk about that first thing. The word of God. They devoted themselves to the word of God. This is what this means. The church in Acts 2 made a decision. This church, our example, they made a decision that their primary intake was going to be God's word. You see, in the Gospels, Jesus said this to the people he was around. He says, I'm the bread of life. I'm living water. You come, eat of my flesh. You'll never go hungry again. You drink from me. You'll never be thirsty again. And, it, and when you think about it, Corey said this when he taught on something like this a while ago. He, he had this wonderful point. Uh, he said, how often do you guys drink water? How often are you thirsty? How often, you, how, how often a day do you eat? And even if you don't have a meal, we all know, we snack, right? The ramen, the trail mix, right? You're doing a paper in college, something like that. <laughs> you can see what I was eating when I was in college, at least. <laughs> however, however, this is the point. They consumed the word of God like they consumed food and water. They needed it that much. And here's why they did it. Why did they devote to God's word like this? Why did they need it that way? Here's why. They wanted to get close to God. They wanted to get close. They wanted to get close to his mind, his heart, and his personality. All right, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scriptures God breathed. You guys know like when you have a mask and you start talking to someone, you know the gross feeling when you feel your breath on your face? 
It's true. It's real. It's a thing. Let's just acknowledge it. Um, but here, like, let that be an image. He's saying it's like his words. When he's saying it's his breathe, it's his words. So, but not only that, but we learn in the Sermon on the Mount that uh, what comes out of your mouth is, is what's in your heart. Right? We learn in the Sermon on the Mount. Corey, you are right there, dude. <laughs> he freaked out. Don't worry. Um, we learn in the Sermon on the Mount that what comes out of your mouth is what's in your heart. So this is what that means for us. Consuming the word of God that allowed them to see and get close to the heart of God. To the mind, the heart, and the personality of God. And they loved it because it allowed them to get close to Jesus. And where's the evidence? Look at their devotion. Look at it. They found that the scriptures were more than just scrolls for them. More than just words on a page. For they were the revelation of the very heart of the living God. And they loved it. And this is what happened in their community. This is, this is spectacular. This is what happened in their community because they devoted, they were so devoted to the word of God. Verse 43, Harley, if you can. They could see what God was doing in the world and in their community. Look at verse, three, verse 43. It says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. When we see, when we devote ourselves to the word of God, we start to see, we start to get close to his heart, his passions, his mind, his personality, and we get, we get to see, we begin to see the living God alive in our community. We do. Happen for them. It can happen for us. So this is the takeaway. They love God's word so much. It was their primary intake, and it allowed them to see what God was doing in their community. But not just that. It allowed them to see it so clearly that they were caught up in awe and wonder at what he was doing in their community. Right? The word of God made the invisible God visible to their very hearts. You see it. So here's my question. Do you see what he's doing in your community? Can you see it? And, and not just that, do you, do you see it clearly enough to be caught up in awe and wonder what God is doing? Can you see it so clearly that you're caught up in awe and wonder what God's doing in your neighbor's life, in your friend, in your small group's life? Consider your intake, I guess, is, is the point from that. Like, what's your food? What's your source? Because if it isn't God's word, love won't dominate your community. If it's not God's word, love will not dominate your community. Okay, so here's the first thing. They devoted themselves to what? The word of God? Okay, here's the second thing, right? They devoted themselves to fellowship with each other. They devoted themselves to fellowship with each other. But there's five things. There's five things that characterize this fellowship that they were so devoted to. Okay, there's five things. Here's the first one. It was inclusive. The fellowship they devoted themselves to at this church, it was inclusive. Look at verse 44. It says this, all the believers were together and had everything in common. But look at that first part. All the believers were what? Say it. They were together. And not only that, but notice how it says all. Everybody was together. Nobody's left out. Nobody in this community was left out. That means the poor, the annoying, the lame, the smelly, the guy, the girl you don't want to be around, they were included. Everyone was together. Everyone was together. This is good, it's, and, and it's godly. All right, let me, let me tell you a story. So when I got to GCU, God blessed me with an amazing friend, 
His name's Corey Casters, and he's, he's sitting right up here. And actually, that was my, my first step into actual, like, real Christian community. And God, like, changed my life through this friendship. Um, but in that, I, I didn't want to include other people in that. Like, I'm like that kind of guy. I, I don't really care about going and spending time with a bunch of people. Give me one guy, give me two guys, I'm good. And Corey said, no, dude, we need to include people. We do. He confronted me on it. And at uh, first I didn't like it, but, but I, I learned it was good. And, and not just that, it, it, was, it was godly. Including others is better. It's devoted living. It's loving. And this community was so knit together, these people considered the needs and the desires of other people greater than their own. That's why they included everybody. They included everybody. And not just that, but their care for each other, it also shows itself in their generosity. Okay? It also shows itself in their generosity. This fellowship that they devoted themselves to, the first thing it was defined by is its inclusiveness. They included everybody. And here's the second thing. It was generous. This fellowship that they devoted themselves to, it was, it was generous. And there's two ways you see the generosity in this fellowship. The first is that they had everything in common. Look at verse 44. What does it say, guys? It says, all the believers were together and they had what? Everything in common. They didn't consider possessions to be grasped anymore. They didn't. In a, in a normal community, this is what you do. You go as far as you can. You get as much money as possible. Why? So you can be comfortable. So you can be powerful, right? You go as far as you can. You get up, you climb the ladder. But in a heavenly community, in an uncommon community, it's the opposite. You humble yourself as much as possible. You become as low as possible. Here's why. According to Jesus in John 15, it's so that you can find life to the full. So you can find life to the full. So that you can be with Jesus. Here's a takeaway. They could give their wealth. They could give away their wealth because they've received a better one. They could give away their wealth because they've received a better one. They traded their riches on earth for their riches in heaven. And by the way, uh, I'm just saying this because of our current political climate. This is not an argument for communism. This is a picture of the kingdom. Seriously, it really is. So here's the second way they were generous. Here's the second way they were generous with their money specifically. The last person in their community was considered versed. Look at verse 45, guys. It says this, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Look at the money. Think about this. Who would need possessions in your community? Who would need that? Who would need possessions? Who would, who would need property? Yes, for real. The homeless, the lame, the poor, the blind, the old, the widow. The last were first in their hearts. In this community, the last were first. They remembered that at one point they were the far off ones, right? Do you remember the, the beginning of this thing? What Peter told these people who crucified Jesus, the promise is for you and for your children and for all those who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God would call. They were so far. They were murderers, right? The farthest away, but God cared for them. The least, he brought them close. He brought who was far off close. He forgave the worst. They too were the least of these, and so it gave them a new heart for the least of these in their community. It gave them a new heart for the least of these in their community. So we see they were generous. They were generous with their money, but they were also generous with their time. They were also generous with their time. Look at how much time they spent with each other. Verse 46, what's it say? Every day 
they continued to meet together. Notice how it says every day. And then notice how it says what? They continued. Here's the point. Love endures over time. Devotion endures over time. I came up with this saying. It sounds like a Nicholas Sparks novel. <laughs> but I think it's, it's kind of good. I, I, here's what it is. Love isn't a bright spark. It's an eternal ember. Right? It goes for Yeah, laugh. It's funny. It is funny. My wife's back there laughing at me. But it's true. It, it gets the point home, doesn't it? It never fades. Love, love doesn't fade, and their love for each other didn't. Guys, don't stop loving each other. Don't stop loving each other. Love is work worth doing. Love is time well spent. Devote yourself to each other. Devote yourself to each other. All right, so you see in this fellowship that they had with each other, we see that it's inclusive. We see it's generous. We see that it's also now glad. The fellowship that they devoted themselves to, it was glad. Guys, they didn't, they didn't dread each other. They were glad to be in fellowship with each other. And this is what's interesting. We, we dread the people who take a lot, don't we? Who take a lot from us. Let me give you an example. This looks, makes me look so bad. But uh, my wife and I got a home about a year ago. And when I would come home, there would be a guy on a bike coming through the neighborhood like, like every day. And I could tell he didn't live in my neighborhood, but like for whatever reason, our paths crossed almost every day, and he'd want to talk to me. And I, I didn't want to talk to him. I'm going to be honest. I really didn't. I wanted to go see my wife. I've been working all day. I wanted to go hang out with my best friend. I don't want to talk to him. But um, what's the point of that? Don't be like that. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. We dread the people who take a lot. He took a lot of my time. That's not good. Seriously, it's just not. But not just that, but we, we dread the people who need a lot. We dread needy people in our community, don't we? Guys, let me tell you, there were needy, needy people in this community. Like, guys, they had to sell property for these people. How needy do you have to be to need, like, property? Homes, possessions, they needed them. So, guys, we have to push back on this. Because I know what happens in our community. I know it does. We have to stop dreading the needy. And here's the reality. The reality is the needy person is actually closer to savoring and enjoying and delighting in Jesus in our community than the independent person, than the person who has no needs. Here's why. The needy person will actually expose their needs. A needy person will actually expose their needs, but an independent person, the guy with all the money, maybe, I don't know, they'll, they'll push away from others. And, and guys, in, independence isn't wrong. I really don't think it's wrong. But, um, but, but don't let your independence drive you away from each other. Yeah? But not only that, not only did they not dread each other, but it was actually the opposite. It was their delight to be with each other. You see that? You see that in the text. It says they favored each other. Their hearts were glad. Harley, can you go to verse 46 and 47, please? What does it say? It says they praised God. They're enjoying the favor of all the people. They praise God and they enjoy the favor of all the people. And even before that, it says they were glad to be with each other. Why? Here's why. They saw Jesus in each other. I really think so. I think they saw Jesus in each other. This is what uh, 1 John 4 says. I think this is extraordinary. It says this. 
No one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Hmm. Guys, it starts with saying this. No one has ever seen God. So he starts by talking about God's invisible. But he says this, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. So that makes me think that somehow what he's trying to say when he's saying God's love is made complete in us when we love each other is that when we love each other, we make the invisible God visible to each other in our community. Do you guys see that? And <laughs> what a delight to see Jesus in the face of your neighbor. I mean, what a supreme, supreme joy. And this is what Shannon, I think, was getting at last week when he said it's impossible to follow Jesus outside of community. How can you see him? How can you see him? How, how can you savor him? How can you delight in him if you can't see him, you can't be around him? How can you know him? How can you know him? Guys, if you want to see Jesus, if you're here, you're like, I feel like I'm so thirsty. I feel like I'm so hungry. I long for Christ. Guys, devote yourself to each other. You will see Jesus in each other. Jesus says, if you want to get close to me, get close to my people. You want to love me, Love my people. Devote yourself to each other. Devote yourself to each other. All right. So we've seen that the fellowship that they devoted themselves to, it was inclusive. It was generous. It was glad. It was happy. Here's the fourth thing we see. It was sincere. They devoted themselves to sincerity in their fellowship, in their community. Guys, I, I don't have much to say about this. I feel like that's relatively self-explanatory. But I, I do think we've all been in a community where uh, love wasn't sincere. Right? Where love ran out because it wasn't genuine. But it's not that way here. It is not to be that way with the people of God. Their internal emotions were represented by external devotions. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Their internal emotions were represented by external devotions. Let me ask you guys this. Is the love in your community sincere? Is the love in your community sincere? Is the love in this community sincere? The fellowship that they devoted themselves to was. All right, here's the last thing about that fellowship. Okay, so it was inclusive, it was generous, it was glad, it was sincere. Here's the last thing. It was worshipful. It was worshipful. Let's look at verse 46 through 47 again. It says this, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. You see, their worship, it went beyond a temple. Their worship went beyond a song. Worship was all of life for them. It was in the temple and it was at home. You see, in Romans 12, 2, Jesus defines worship, or at least Paul, Jesus through Paul, says this. Worship, true worship, is an entire life lived for God. And they did that here. Loving God and loving your neighbor are not two separate things. Or should I say, praising God and loving your neighbor are not two separate things. Okay? So let's keep going. So they devoted themselves to the, the Word of God. Harley, could you put that list back on the screen, please? They devoted themselves to the Word of God. They devoted themselves to fellowship in this community. Here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. They devoted themselves to unity. 
They devoted themselves to unity. Here's the first place they devoted themselves to unity in, okay? In the temple. They were unified in their worship. They worshiped in, in spirit and in truth, and they weren't divided by different theologies. Here's what their theology was. We were murderers, and we've been forgiven. We were murderers, and we've been forgiven, and Jesus is our Lord. And that was it, and it was enough for them. They weren't, they weren't driven apart by foolish arguments. And by the way, this does happen in the church. I, I know it happens in here too. It didn't happen there. It didn't. Guys, unity is more important than opinions. And love must be, according to the New Testament writers, love must be expressed in unity. Okay? So not only were they unified in their worship, they were unified at their place of worship. Guys, what makes a temple spectacular? What made their temple spectacular? Was it great preaching? Was it amazing worship? Acts 2 seems to say this, that it was their devotion. It was their love for each other that made this place amazing. It was their love to their God and to one another. You see, worship was mentioned here, but not the worship leader. The apostles' teaching was mentioned here, not, not Peter. So let me ask you this. What are you looking for in your temple? What are you looking for at your church? Is it devotion? Is it love? Or are you feeding a God of consumerism in your life? I don't know. But not only were they unified at the place of worship, not only were they unified at the temple, here's where else they were unified. They were unified at the table. And I think this is super impressive. So uh, my sister-in-law, great girl, every time I talk to her, one of the most common things I'll hear from her, I'll be like, hey, hey what's going on? How's it going? How you been? And uh, she'll be like, yeah, not great. I'm like, well, what's going on? She goes, well, I'm not really friends with my friends anymore. I'm like, well, why? She'll be like, oh, well, now they're like jealous of me and Yazi and, you know, whatever that is. I don't know. However, however, she's a high school girl and these are her problems. But unfortunately, we're Christians and I think there are problems too. Right? There's division. There's division. How many of you have had to change friend groups in here? Like in the last year? Change friend groups. Can't forgive, can't reconcile. How many of you have stopped spending time with people you love because you just couldn't forgive each other? You just couldn't come back together? It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. When I got to college, one of my closest friends, um, I was in a place where me and my buddy were stuck in sin and we couldn't get out of it. So I went to this buddy, another buddy, and I said, dude, I need help. <laughs> I need to get out of this. And his response, uh, it was good, not great. You know, it was like, I'll help you get out of it if you do these couple of things. There was something that was put on me that I don't think God put on me. And my personality, I pulled away pretty, pretty hard, right? I told you I don't like spending time with a lot of people. I, 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 I'm pretty introverted. I was like, okay, I'm going to stay in my room now. It was miserable. But eventually we had to come to this place where it's like, hey, I sinned against you. The other person's like, yeah, I sinned against you too. Please forgive me. We continued. It's awkward. It was my fault. But eventually we came to this place where we forgave each other. We loved each other. This is good. Forgiveness isn't easy. But guys, be devoted to each other. Be devoted to each other. Love is expressed in devotion. And, and devotion lasts the test of time. It's worth it. And here's the last thing they devoted themselves to. 
prayer. Prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. It's really interesting. If you look at the text, you, you almost ask, like, is it hidden? So, like, if you were to just read this text, it's like, okay, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, boom, right under it. They're in awe. They're in awe and wonder at what God was doing in the community, okay? They devoted themselves to fellowship. Oh, you see where that is, right? They're giving all their possessions away. They're loving each other. They devoted themselves to unity. You see, they're breaking bread at the temple and at home. They said they, de- they devoted themselves to prayer, but you don't see that anywhere. And so I was reading it, and I started asking myself, oh, is it hidden? Is it secret? No. No. First, I think we need to reconsider what prayer is. Prayer isn't just this thing with you and God, right? It's not just like telephone call, send one thing up, and you can't hear anything back, right? Prayer is communion with God. Prayer is relationship with God. I think the author excluded this intentionally from this list to show how much it dominated everything in here. You guys get that? He left it out not to say that it wasn't there. He left it out to say, oh, prayer was dominated in their time when they listened to the word of God. Prayer was dominated in their fellowship. It dominated it. It it dominated their unity. It was pervasive. It was pervasive. It started and sustained their community. It started and sustained them. Guys, it started and sustained me. Guys, if we want this type of community to be here at 710 in our church, we must look to Christ for it. Not just to him, but I mean, we, we must run to him. We have to run to him. Run to be in communion with Jesus. So, so let me con- conclude with this. This is my hope for this community, that, that our love for each other would move past an emotion and into a devotion. Like this, like this church. Like they're our example. I pray, God, I pray that our love for each other would move past an emotion and into a devotion. And honestly, I think the retreat's a perfect place for that to start. Guys, we're about to go to Williams, Arizona. We're about to spend a weekend with each other. When I first went to the retreat, when I first came to 710, I knew like four guys, the guys I came with from GCU. But I go to a retreat and I come back and everyone felt like family. I was a stranger and, I, and we come back and I, I felt like family. So guys, I dare you to start to devote yourselves to each other in this, in this community. And I dare you to see what God's going to bring out of it especially in this retreat. So, guys, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this night. God, I thank you for this community. God, I love them so dearly and so much. God, I pray that you'd use this retreat in our lives to join us together. God, I pray that our love wouldn't be fickle, but God, I pray that we would just devote ourselves to each other entirely. Lord, that it would glorify you, that it would bring joy to this community. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, we'll see you in Williams. Have a great night.